created live on Fireside. everybody thanks so much for joining us and uh it's another episode of doing it sober live and if you're watching us on youtube or facebook you can also be part of our audience by requesting access so you can ask questions and you can come and talk to bella uh tonight we have the gorgeous uh bella baskin who is 32 years old she got sober when she was 19 uh, she is the CEO, we got an entrepreneur, um, of the Blessed Bag. It's a nonprofit that sells hygiene kits for the homeless and for people to give out to those in need. So everybody, please welcome Bella. <laughs> Hi, I'm Bella. I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Hi, Bella. So I am so glad you could make it. I know that as a uh, sober escort or I guess, what's the other name that you would call it? Sober companion companion it's yeah. very the schedule is you know you just never know <laughs> but I'm so glad you joined us and um I'm so interested to hear about what made you get sober so young what happened <laughs> <laughs> um you know I just knew that you know, the way that I drank and used was different from my fellows I had known it for a while um, my history is that, uh, you know, I had my first drink, my first joint and my first cigarette all on the same night and, uh, just on and rocking. And the second time I ever drank, I had alcohol poisoning and cause I wanted to see how much I could drink. And, and that's just how I rolled from day one, you know, and the long story short is that I just went through phases of different substances until they hurt me. And then I would move on to the next substance. And then I did the whole circle back to where I started alcohol. And, um, and it was like, okay, well, <laughs> tried everything that's not the answer so like what is and I just had had the willingness and I knew that the path I was on was far from the path that was created for me I grew up from in Beverly Hills a well-to-do family private all-girls school and I was like raving in San Bernardino at four in the morning in a warehouse corner drooling on myself. <laughs> it was just like, how did I get here? Like, this is not, this is not what was the path that was paved for me. I was way off of that. I did, I went to a sober living and I did what was suggested of me. And I went to AA and I got a sponsor and I worked the steps and it worked. And they told me like, Drugs and alcohol aren't going anywhere. If you ever decide you want to go back, you can. And I've never <laughs> felt the need to go back. I've never relapsed isn't part of my story. That's amazing. I just find yeah. it so incredible that you got it so young. It took me so long to get it. I didn't get sober until 32, which you're, yeah. you've been sober a long time now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 12 and a half. Twelve and a half years. That is truly a miracle because I too grew up in Malibu, um, in that kind of arena of you know well-to-do and and just out having fun at at the parties and the raves and the clubs. You know, at a very young age, and 
wow, I just beat myself down till you know, long, long time. So it's just remarkable that you got sober so young. Yeah, it's a blessing. And one thing I say to people who get sober young, they feel like, oh, they're going to miss out or they're going to be different from their fellows. And my experience is like, if I ever thought about sobriety as something that limits me, like I still went to festivals and raves for years and years and years. Like I'm going to Coachella this weekend. Like I go for a specific reason and that's because I love music. I love to dance. I love to dress up. I love to take pictures. I went to school for costume design. So I really like enjoy that culture of it. But like if someone had told me like, oh, you can't do that and be sober, like then I wouldn't be sober. Right. Right. So when people are like, oh, I could never go. When people think about sobriety as a limiting thing, like, oh, I can never go to a bar. I can never do this. I can never do that because I'm so uncomfortable, blah, 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 in social situations. Then that person is like setting themselves up for failure in my experience because sobriety has opened up so many doors and I'm always like having so much fun that people will come up to me and they're like, what are you on? And I'm like, nothing. That's the craziest thing is like when you're on nothing and you're sober and you're able to be present then you're having the most fun. But when you're at a party or a rave or a festival, whatever your thing is, bar, and the whole time you're like, oh, I have to go out and chain smoke. Oh, I have to go to the bar and get a drink. Oh, I have to get another drink. Oh, there's a line. Oh, I have to go to the bathroom now because I got so many drinks. Like, it's like you're never able to just like enjoy being wherever you're at because you're so focused on getting the next fix or high or cigarette or whatever. God, that makes so much sense. So much sense. I also got sober in AA and in California, we have really great sobriety, all of the meetings. I mean, we just, my found, I moved to Florida, but my foundation, my first 12 years were in Southern California. We were so blessed to have such great support there. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, maybe you could tell me how you feel about this. There's so many different people and, you know, their opinions. And for me, I kind of, at first, it was like I didn't see another way besides AA because it worked so well for me. But then I really started seeing, you know, what was out there and what, you know, people were recovering different ways. How do you feel about the alternatives? That's a good question. I really am not educated enough on them to really know. But in my experience, like all the people I know who are successfully sober go through AA I don't know a lot of people who have been successful in other routes, but that could just be because the circle I'm in, you know, I don't, I'm not opposed to it. I just know what works, worked for me. But I will say one interesting thing about my story is that when I got sober, I basically just, I did what I did in, in while I was using, which is I would cross addict from one substance to another, but I got sober from drugs and alcohol and I just replaced that with eating disorders for a long time. And so I went to OA and I had three years of abstinence in OA and then my friend died and that was a big trigger for me. And so I relapsed on my eating disorder essentially. And I tried to go back to OA. I was in New York at the time. And I don't know if it was the meetings I was going to, or just, I didn't have enough time to go to as many meetings or like I picked the wrong person to ask to sponsor me or what, but it would not work for me. And I was like desperate, like every meeting I went to just raising my hand and they would call on the people that went all the time and not like really let the newcomers. And I was just desperate. And I think maybe it was just the wrong meeting. I'm not saying like, oh, hey, doesn't work. But the second time around 
whatever I was doing, it did not work for me. And I was desperate. And I went to a behavioral therapist Mm -hmm. and being accountable to him. I got sick of telling him that I failed. You know, I got sick of saying like, oh, I did it again. I did it again. And and that worked for me the second time around. So and OA didn't, but it did the first time. So but the second time, for whatever reason, it didn't work. I was desperate get like a day or two days or three days max and I was just it was really interesting for me because I had never had an experience with relapse before with drugs and alcohol or cigarettes and and so this was my first experience with that and and first experience with having to take an alternative route but it was really important for me because I couldn't really treat food the same way I treated drugs and alcohol because like you can drink or not drink, smoke or not smoke, but you can't eat or not eat. It's like learning how to moderate in that impulsive behavior or like obsessive compulsive behavior is, is a lot different. So like I said, that that's what worked for me with my ED the second time around. So I don't see why it couldn't work for someone who's anti-AA for whatever reason. What do you think couldn't get it that second time? Was there something deep inside you that was kind of were you hurt? Was there, it's not just that it could be a complex, but of your body, you know, what you think of your body, but it's more of eating that empty hole of your addictions. What was the ultimate outcome? I mean, what, what really helped you get out of that pattern? Honestly, I think it was just having to be accountable to somebody. So that person could have been a sponsor, but the, the couple people that I had picked, they weren't working for me. I had a really rough work schedule at the time I was working 68 hour weeks and I got one one of those kinds of sponsors who was like call me every day at seven if you don't call me at seven and you call me at 701 then I'm not answering the phone like one of those you know and I was like yeah, yeah. That doesn't work for me like I'm sorry like that might work for some people but like I can't like do that like if I'm able to sleep that week or that day, like I'm gonna sleep yeah my schedule was really rough and so that didn't work for me and then and then I got someone else who I think just like never answered the phone or something. So just having someone to be accountable to and really like it, it, he was a behavioral therapist. So mm-hmm. that that's what the the kind of therapy was. And that's why I had to do some worksheets on, OK, I have an urge. Why do I have the urge? I mean, I can't remember what it was, something like that every time I had an urge and writing it down and, and being accountable to him daily and so, so so are you work as a sober companion which is it's very hard to, to be a sober mm-hmm. companion and help that person with their sobriety and then have your own program do you also yeah. sponsor as well or you do yeah so um, that's really important i think it's so important for people who work in recovery to make sure that they have recovery outside of that so like a lot of times like I'm paid to take people to meetings. So I make sure that I, when I can, make at least one or two meetings a week on my own. Um, A great women's group that I go to on Wednesday nights. So I try to make it to that as much as possible, unless I'm working on a Wednesday night, which unfortunately the last couple of weeks has been the case. But normally I'm able to make that work. And then I I have four sponsees at the moment. They're in the work. We Mm -hmm. have a gratitude list text thread and we all send it in there daily yeah I just I have to make sure that I'm being of service 
because there's a fine line of like, okay, well, you're being of service, but you're being paid to do it. So like, what are you doing to actually be of service? Right. And obviously like, we'll get into this, I'm sure, but like with Blessed Bag, being of service is like a big part of my life. I'm of service in my own program, sponsoring other women. I'm of service in my sober companioning job and I'm of service with my nonprofit. So it's kind of just, I don't know how I became this person, but I'm like, who is this person? But (laughs) I I get it. Maybe I'm so, 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 so selfish that like I have to counterbalance it this much (laughs) to balance out. I get it. So maybe I'm just like extremely selfish. So I need to do like more sort of service work than the average person. I don't know, but. Um, <laughs> so tell me yeah. about Blessed Bag. That the nonprofit. It's just so amazing. I, I went on there and I actually didn't end up checking out yet, but I still got to do that. You know how busy we all are. I, I got onto yeah. it on my phone, didn't have my credit card, yeah. and I didn't go back. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. will go back though. Um, Aww, tell us about it. I started it in 2018. I want to say January 2018. I mean, I had started working on it about a year before that, I think. I'm bad with dates and numbers and names. I was working at Warner Brothers at the time, and I would always get off the freeway, and I would see this, like, homeless person, and I would always say, like, oh, I should definitely, like, 100% go to Costco, even though I don't have a Costco card. Or, like, oh, I wish there was, like, something on Amazon or, like, okay, I'll definitely go to Rite Aid and like get like a bunch of socks in bulk or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then just like give those out. And I was like, that's like weird. Like why just like one thing? And then I would get a phone call and I'd forget and I see them the next day and I'd be like, oh shoot, like I forgot to do that thing I said I was going to do. And so I was like, well, why doesn't this exist? Because I know people like on Thanksgiving, they'll make the blessing bags. That's what they're actually called blessing bags. And like, they're a thing, they exist already. You know, it's not like a totally original idea. But the uh, the idea is that what about the other 364 days of the year? So you might go like to your church or whatever you do or volunteer on Thanksgiving or Christmas. But like, what about the other days? Right? So so the idea was to give like, the younger generations a way to be of service that feels sustainable and realistic to them. Because I know for me, like, a lot of charities are like, do you want to donate a hundred bucks? And they make you feel like that's like not a lot. Do you want to donate like a hundred, five hundred or a thousand? And you're like, um, so a hundred is like really not a lot. And that's actually a lot for me. So like, where's that going to go? It's you're making it seem like it's not going to do any good. So like, maybe I should just keep it and like buy this pair of shoes that I want. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I know like my mom, I grew up going to like all sorts of charity events as a kid. I went to like Freight Foundation. I went to NRDC, which is the Natural Resources Defense Council. My mom was very into that. And I grew up going to that and being passionate about certain causes and stuff. And so she really gave me that gene, I guess you could say. And I was like, okay, so here's a tangible item that people can buy. And then they cut out the middleman and they give it to, you know, you might have a homeless person you see every day at your local coffee shop or hangs outside your apartment. If you live out in LA or like hangs outside your workplace or like the people that you see regularly, maybe like you want to give them something. And there's been multiple times where they're at your car door window asking for cash and you don't have cash or you don't want to give it to them because you're afraid they're going to spend it on drugs and alcohol or cigarettes and you're going to add to the problem. So it's like an alternative to giving money. 
And the bags come with like 24 different items in them. They sell for $15, the men and women's bags and the dog's bags are $10. That was basically it. I was just kind of like, no one's doing this. Like, let me do it. And it's been a, it's been a wild ride. Had some like things happen that are successful. There's struggles, like all the paperwork, it's it's brutal and they make it really hard for you to not pay taxes, but you still have to pay some taxes. So it's just uh-huh. like, I feel like I'm always drowning in paperwork. And the thing is, that's difficult. We do really well if we do like an outreach day where, that we fundraise for. Sales are really slow, almost non-existent. Maybe once a month, I'll get like one, you know, <laughs> like it's like yeah. very... So right now my focus is putting money into like marketing and social media management, content creators and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm trying to give it another go that is less pressure on me because it's like I was doing everything myself. The, uh, the physical labor that goes into it is unbelievable. I mean, the amount of times that thrown my back out, you know, oh, no. the boxes arriving to the house. It's like a thousand deodorants. And you're just like, well, I guess I can't leave my house now. I had an appointment, but I have to move these 10 boxes, <laughs> 50 pounds of deodorant. So it's, it's, um, when we do like bag restocks, it's definitely challenging mentally, but I, I know it's, all for a good cause. And now we're just trying to get rid of the bags because we just did a bag restock and I was pretty burnt out from that. I was just like, I need a break. And now, now I'm trying to revamp it and, and put money into marketing and get some sales. But it's I'll hard. do a little push for you. <laughs> yeah. My little following, I'll do push. Yeah. You know, put yeah, a post no, up for you. Great. you know, I'm just, I do everything that I'm invited to do. I'm like, I'm a, I'm a yes man. Like, I'm just like, yes, yeah. you want to collaborate? Yes. But doing it on your own part is really hard. So it's great to have team and a team and support and help and collaborators and people who support the You're cause. You're telling and, me. <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. Uh, doing it sober has been honestly a big pain in the ass for the last eight years. <laughs> And uh, it's hard. It's hard. I'm, I am just a one person business and the store has gotten very big. I would get one visitor a month for a very long time. And now it's 170,000 a month. And it's just, it's just me. I've got a full-time job and yeah, I've got my recovery and then the show and I get to do all this stuff though. I get to do it before I couldn't even make it to any of these things. So I, I'm grateful, but I get what you mean. It's a, it's a struggle because <laughs> when you get yeah. sober, your life gets big. You have so many yeah. things that you do that you're doing and learning. And, but I want to talk about your fashion. You are, I I didn't know. I don't know anything about your, your fashion background, but your, I know your Instagram, the pictures, the clothing, <laughs> the outfits, you Thank just you. really kill it on all of the photos that you take and you like to travel you can take too, I know the that. shopping addiction for that so where did it come from where did it come from you have such a good sense of fashion I just have always that's just always how I've like expressed myself it's always been like a creative 
artistic thing for me. And now it's matured. When I was younger, when I was younger, I was a, a I, I was a costume designer. And so I would make these elaborate headdresses. Like I went to school, I went to CalArts for fine art and costume design. And so I'd make these elaborate headdresses with like all kinds of stuff on them. And I would make these like bras that were like in the shapes of things. And I was just like a raver kid. And that was just, you know, I would theme my outfit to whatever event we were going to. And, and it was just really fun for me. And I wish I had the, the passion to do that. I really miss it. When I left LA to do photography at SNL, I kind of gave all that up just because my work schedule there was so crazy that I just didn't have any time to do it. And then after that, it just seemed like, well, what's the point? Because I just like, it doesn't make me money, you know, <laughs> which is really sad. And I miss making art and costume stuff. But I still get really excited by other people's passion for it. And like, find these, you know, I was doing styling for a while, I went on tour with a friend of mine as her like stylist photographer, after I left Warner Brothers, and started doing the sober companion stuff on the side. And kind of was just freelancing and starting bus it bag. So yeah, the timeline is I was at SNL for three years. And then I was at Warner Brothers for a year and then was freelance styling photography, starting blessed bag, sober companioning on the side for just like money. And then I moved into the social media space and I was doing that. I'm still doing it a little bit on the side, but I was doing that solid for a year in October, they did layoffs. And so I started sober companioning full time. It's one of those things where I'm like, not sure how I got here, but good thing I'm sober so I can do this job. You know what I mean? Like yes. yeah. I wouldn't be able to do this job without my recovery. It's a good job too. I mean, it pays well. <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. not easy, but it does pay well. You were going to Coachella and you were talking about where, I think, recently. What are you going to wear? Because I know you're going to come up with something super cool. <laughs> so I just have followed this girl. Follow people who their their sense of style inspires me oh my god there's a guy in front of me who's just like standing with his eyes closed like taking oh, no. in the sun sorry very distracting <laughs> I was like, what? Right. you know I follow influencers or whatever that I I enjoy their sense of style or fashion and so I somehow stumbled upon there's a girl that's she's like a burlesque dancer that I follow and she tagged this person who does custom 3d latex and so I had her custom make me this gold belt and bra that's like very, I don't know how to describe it. It looks like vines almost. And so it's like this 3D latex thing and it's just gold and gorgeous. And so that's one of the things. And there's a couple independent designers that are kind of like festival designers that I follow. So I got something from them. And then there's that's this cool. brand in London. And they make, they made, um, it was actually really difficult. I was like, okay, I had certain things in mind, but they were like, not on the website anymore. So then I had to email them and they were like, oh, we have a couple left. Do you want this one? And I was like, yes. And then <laughs> this like one piece, one, one piece or like two piece sets. And one of them is like very like fairy-esque. I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, I just, I follow the people that inspire me or I like their stuff. And and when it comes time, I'm, oh my God, I've had my eye on that forever. And this is the perfect. <laughs> Love, it. Love it. I admire that. I'm a 
creative person and I'm an artist and I also create costumes really oh, cool. weird mostly Halloween costumes because that's all I yeah. got right now there's no jobs yeah. pouring in for me to do costumes right now but yeah. I just do it for fun like I paint and I do folk art but I love when Halloween comes around because they give a give a big prize at my work you know it's like three or four hundred dollars yeah. and I just yeah. always have to win it so yeah. I just I oh, did a costume cool. you would have loved it it was a unicorn and it was the hair went all the way down and I made a whole unicorn back and butt and legs and it had wheels and it was like oh, I was a unicorn. Wow. It was oh so cool. God, I have to so send cool. you a picture. Yeah, I definitely want to see that. Yeah, I love Halloween. That's my favorite holiday and I always kill it. Like yes. <laughs> not to toot my own horn, but I just, I really, I'm I'm sure you feel the same. I'm the queen of Halloween. Love it. And, and thank God I have my fiance is like down. He's just here for yes, it. So he's like, we do whatever. So now you just we got engaged. I saw Paris. You got engaged recently, right? Yes. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. We were in Paris and it was very romantic and I was totally surprised. Eiffel Tower in the background. It was just perfect and so romantic and everything I ever dreamed of. Now, yeah. is he sober? Yeah. Yeah. He's oh. been sober uh, like six months longer than I have. So he's got like 13 years. That's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. yeah it seems a little easier to do things with the sober partner. My husband, he's a year behind me. So he's 15, 14. He's a little bit, little bit more than a year. And he is, I can't imagine this guy without recovery, you know, he's been like, he, well, he'd probably be dead, but he'd be pretty nuts. Uh, just, you know, it just makes things so much easier. You, you know, there are people who have relationships with uh, people that are, they're normies, they don't drink. Or it's kind of nice to have somebody to share recovery with. It's been good for me in the last 10 years I've been married to. Yeah. I think it was something that was important to me just to have someone who understood the same moral values and things that have kind of been taught to me through AA and through the 12 steps. And he's so, he almost is so normal that I forget he used to do drugs and alcohol. You know what I mean? Like he's so recovered that it's crazy, but it's, it's incredible. And, um, he is incredible. And I'm, so lucky there's a saying of my dad's friend always says dating in AA the odds are good but the goods are odd yes and like that's so true like I've had some very questionable partners of people I've met in in AA and it's a challenge it's a challenge to find someone because you know when we come in we're sick individuals and so it's really difficult to find people who have really done the work on themselves and really practice the principles in all their affairs are really covered. It's hard enough to yeah. find anyone in LA as it is it, to put yeah. that on top of it. Yeah. Well, that's really good. I, I had a hard time. My first five years I dated, I was still dating people that would cheat and I, I just couldn't figure out why. And so I stopped dating for like a year and I did do some therapy and it, it, helped because almost a year to the date I met my husband so that worked out so I'm, I'm 
Yeah, it was really good. So what do you see for your future? Because I know you got a lot going on. Good question. Right now, I'm kind of riding this wave of sober companioning because it pays well and I enjoy it and it's fun for me and I'm still young and I can sleep on an air mattress and that's fine. It's not sustainable long term. Once I have kids, I'm not going to be sleeping at other people's houses. So (laughs) So it's definitely something to think about. But right now I'm just kind of riding the wave of I don't know what my next thing is. I really have been saying this for years of like, I want to get back into doing something creative. Not sure what and the passion for it isn't there in the same capacity that it once was I just got engaged there's already wedding planning stuff and that's kind of the focus five years sure I'm going to be a mom 32 I think that'll be what I do and I don't know if I'm gonna start a business add a couple ideas that just don't have the time right now fully goal is for blessed bag to be successful kind of just running on its own and sales to be coming in regularly and people really understand the value of having something as part of their daily lives that involves them being service and it's not just sober people like I think our generation my generation is so self-absorbed and we've been trained to you know who's liking our picture and who followed me and they unfollowed me and oh my god selfie and this and it's just like it's exhausting and the best part of my day is when I'm being of service to somebody else and doing something that's for somebody else and I think if the younger generation can have something that's tangible like because when you give money to a charity you have no idea where that money is going you don't get the benefit of like, wow, I feel so good because I was of service and I did something nice for someone else. This is literally you handing someone a bag that's they're going to be grateful for to someone in need and it costs you $15. Why, especially in LA, it's why aren't you keeping those bags in your car all the time? That's the goal for Blessed Bag is just for people to it just be a regular thing. And that's why we have subscriptions and people can subscribe and get five bags a month or more than that just hoping that blessed bag becomes successful because i really believe in it and i think it's a great great idea and a, and a great it thing is. people should do just looks like the typical your future, your future yeah. looks bright that's that's awesome sometimes i wish i i got sober younger <laughs> it would have been so much better i just you waste so many years out there and, and then before you know it, you're almost 50 and my God, you know, I'm almost 50. It's just, I still have that mentality that I'm not 50, but. I have God. to say that people say that all the time when they hear how young I got sober. And the thing is, is I really had to grow up in this program, made all the mistakes. You know, I had other addictions I needed to work through. I had lots of childhood trauma I needed to work through, lots of therapy. You know, I was dry for a few years, so I had to like start over. I really don't feel like I got a leg up. I'm where I wanted to be by the time I was 32. Absolutely not. I don't, wow, thank God I got sober early because now everything, (laughs) what I thought it would be, it's not like that. I know a lot of people think, oh, if I had gotten sober, no, I was 
if I, if you had gotten sober earlier, guess what? You would have been 19. Like I was I dated all the wrong people and did all the wrong things and had all yeah. the eating disorders. And, and it's still like, still like I said, like, oh, your fashion. Okay. Well, that's something I'm trying to work on. Right. It's like, I need to learn how to start saving money instead of just spending my money on clothes. Like can't do that if I want to live the life that I want to live. It's not like yeah. I get a I paycheck get and spend it. that's not going to get me very far in life. That's actually something that I'm trying not to do. And it's always, always room for improvement. There's always room for growth. It's never like, okay, I'm done now. I'm yeah. perfect now. It's There's always right. stuff to be worked on and always character defects that come up. And I, I love what I do and I'm grateful to be sober companioning, but it's still hard. Like I haven't been home in a week. I miss my dogs and I miss my fiance and I miss just being home and miss, miss my bed. And there's always challenges. The grass, yeah. everyone feels like the grass is greener on the other side. But. Yeah. Yeah. Always, always. Yeah, I have an obsession with vintage purses. I spend a astronomical amount now that I'm like thinking about it, it's crazy. And I just, it, it's got to stop. <laughs> yeah. But it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. And um, I'm so yeah. thankful that you were able to join us, you know, even it, even uh, coming on a little bit later. We were against mm -hmm. all the other shows, but this will go out on all the podcasts and all the podcaster uh, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. And of course. Uh, Bella, thank you, and I wish you a wonderful rest of your evening, and I'm going to do a little push about your product on Instagram okay. and see thank how you. many bags we can get out to these homeless people, because what a great idea. Just so thank cool. And the bags are cute. They can put their yeah. stuff in them after they're done using the yep. items, which is so cool. Yep, they're reusable. Yeah. yeah. Well, anything you want to say before we uh, close out? No, that's it. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It was nice to meet you, and I'm excited to see your Halloween costumes. Yes. <laughs> Thanks so much, and have a good okay. evening. You too. Bye. Bye.